Hey everybody, this is your host Final Man Jeb. You're tuned into Unlikely Places Pop and Rock Radio Podcasts. Today's episode is Charlie Overby. He was in with a band called Charlie Overby and the Broken Arrows, but he also opened for Dwayne Betts, as that's how I met him, but he also opened for Motorhead and some incredible stories within this podcast. Remember, listen closely and learn something new. We got great video here, production by Mason Scan, uh, editing and all that stuff. want to thank him there uh, during this intro, and thank you to RoboJack Records for always sponsoring our show. You can check out our show on madwaspradio.com weekly, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. every Friday. Also re-airs on Tuesday, so keep an eye out for that. Don't know the exact times for that one. This is the podcast section here on YouTube. Subscribe, like, and comment the usual stuff. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Uh, but we're here today with Charlie Overby. Uh, I met Charlie when he was opening for Dwayne Betts uh, at the Richfield Playhouse in Connecticut. Charlie, how are you? Uh, can't complain, man. Thanks for having me, Jeb. No problem. And perfect. I'm glad we figured out the time thing and we got you in because this is exciting. I wanted to hear about the tour. Tell me tell me the rest of that tour was, how the, how the rest of that went. Well, um, it was it was awesome. I mean, all you know, Dwayne... And Barry and Johnny are such good guys, and, mm. and uh, so it was. It was really cool. And Nate, the tour manager, is just a you know unbelievable dude. So it was really fun to to get on the road with those guys, and it was incredible to get out on the road after two years of sitting around. Yeah. So you know, it was it was really incredible. I mean, we did a. It was a three leg run so we did the east coast first and then we went and did the south which was very cool because i got to bring my daughter along who is uh just an incredible musician violinist and she's sponsored by gibson so very uh, cool yeah that was cool and uh and then we did the midwest which was awesome and uh and now it's done and i wish we were still out there doing it (laughs) always the the post-tour like depression type thing where you're like i just want to be back it's kind of like when you get in in a lower specs for people that are uh, don't tour as much it's like finding your favorite show when you finish it you got to look for the next show and you kind of you know so we'll we'll, uh you know we'll talk about future plans towards the end of the interview and see what you got coming uh but i wanted to ask you what i ask all my guests uh usually first but i want to change it up a little bit uh what got you into music oh man (laughs) <laughs> music. Um, you know, my old man was from Arkansas and played guitar. I've got his 47 J 45 and, uh, he was heavily into Johnny cash. Like awesome. he was, it was basically all he listened to, you know? And, uh, so at a young age, I was, you know, kind of pushed into that, world and um my mom's english so she was into benny hill so we Ah, we were watching watching benny hill or hee-haw you know so it was a it was a weird dichotomy of of strange funny sarcasm and music around my house and uh and then i just you know it was just a natural progression to get into punk rock i mean i was really into the early rock and roll and then I got into punk rock and and uh but yeah I mean I I, I don't know music just kind of presented itself as as awesome and I followed it you know? <laughs> yeah and I, I love that you mentioned Benny Hill since uh, Unlikely Places does air in England that's the show gets sent from the US over to England and then they air it so the audience will love that and then also I wanted to mention too I love Benny Hill and I love uh, Monty Python I grew up on like watching the Monty oh. Python Bonzo dog band, any of that stuff I couldn't get enough of because my dad's older, but it was just something that I didn't expect to know or to, uh, you know, get a hold of. And then I was hooked and I was always been like, love that humor. And when I write, I write radio dramas here and there, and I like to write with that kind of humor that Monty Python had. So it was cool to hear that because Benny Hill was right around the same lines and just such amazing fun to be had when comedy was a little more simple back then and it was a little more everything was left to the open eye instead of being explained to you on a plate which i love so right. yeah <laughs> it's so much yeah. di- times have changed where now it's like you spoon fed the comedy and it's like oh i'm supposed to laugh here okay <laughs> yeah, right. yeah but, it's uh, a- world these days yeah it's different it's definitely different but i think music will always be something that no matter how many times life changes and how many things happen you have music to kind of fall back on when things are tough of the world that you want to imagine or used to live and and you could close your eyes put those headphones on and enjoy you know anything (laughs) it's amazing 
on all sides, you know, for, for us as listeners, you know, we can dive into that song that takes us back to another place and time. Yeah. And, uh, and as writers, you know, we, yes. can, we can escape the craziness that's happening or we can write about the craziness that's happening. Not necessarily everybody wants to hear songs about the craziness that's happening. But it's true. <laughs> I, I think it's important to, to stay in the reality of things and to have a voice, you know, <laughs> especially in this day and age. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, it's, it's like a lot of people, you know, struggling too. And I think it's hard to voice what you feel, especially I'm young, I'm, I'm 23. So I sit here and I, I wonder where I belong sometimes, but I know music has always been like a calling. The radio was always something I always wanted to do and always just wanted to keep doing it. And when we met, it was just, I, I saw you walk out. I, like, I got it. I got to talk to him. And then that was a, the picture at the end of everybody. And I know you were standing on the side, but we uh, had you, it was every, you know, everybody, Dwayne, everybody it was like blown away by that. I was blown away. The fact that Dwayne Butts even came on the show. I was so excited that we got him and got it on a show and then to come to a show. And, and I was more blown away by the opener because I kind of didn't know you. I think I was blown away by the uh, the excitement of somebody that talks about their songs and kind of goes in depth and then plays them. And nobody's saying, just get to it. You know, everybody's enjoying <laughs> it, which I think is such a powerful thing because it's yeah. hard to get those audiences to captivate them. Uh, how do you go about bringing those kind of captivating the audience? Do you ever get nervous or anything when you start talking about one of your songs? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think that honesty and truth always wins, you know, mm -hmm. and especially when you're standing up there with an acoustic guitar and it's kind of your job, I think, is to take people on a roller coaster ride of, you know, fun and sad and get people thinking about stuff because that's what reminds us that we're really still alive, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of times people don't necessarily want to hear the stories of a song unless the song is about a great story. So if you come out in a way where you don't make it some big, long, boring, mm -hmm. you know, drama docudrama which i tend to do because <laughs> i tend to talk a lot but uh you know i have to remind myself when i'm up there okay dude you only have 30 minutes don't blow 20 mm. at a time. but uh you know i i think it's important and i think that if people know what they're going to the the short journey of song that they're going to be taking i think it makes it easier and more enjoyable to get into the tune you know it definitely it pulled me in because you know you're on there and everybody you know is waiting for Dwayne Betts that's usually when the opener's there you you know that there's that slight they're just waiting for the main act and I'm kind of in their way I'm in their way for them having that main act and then you're like well I could be the wall and I could just do whatever or I could be that amazing act that somebody goes I'm glad I went today and discovered this new person I know I, I work for a music venue as well and a lot of times in the main acts, you have a lot of people going, oh, there's an opener. And it's like, open your minds a little bit. You might find something that you never thought you could expect to hear. And I was cool. just so excited to, to hear somebody new that I was so into. And I was nice when I met you over by the the new Richfield Playhouse, too. That was the they just opened up that whole section down by the bar. It used to just be kind of a, you know, a, a simple just walk into the theater and that was it. It looks beautiful. It looks oh, very man. nice incredible venue yeah yeah it's an amazing the sounds there i mean they get some really cool acts too just to, like they got robert fripp coming from king crimson just to talk like about his life with his manager i'm like that's an interesting show you know for diehard crimson fanatics that i'm tempted to go because i like all that kind of out there stuff too and uh it's just they got a lot of good shows coming and it was cool to see Dwayne betts i mean when's, when's the chance you get to see dickie betts kid and then get to meet him you know it was like such a, a cool experience and everybody yeah. else amazing it was just something so special but i was looking into your tour history as well and i saw that you opened up for motorhead now is this the motorhead with lemmy is yeah, this oh this is amazing yeah. how did this come about oh man you know I, i'm old dude i've been <laughs> around a long time i my history if you dive into it and you dig deep enough my history is really long and thick <laughs> and uh, you know i'm i'm gonna be 55 and wow. I have been doing this. I mean, when I was 
I don't tell a lot of people this, but when I was 15, I was opening for Poison and Striker wow. and, you know, GNR. And I, you know, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. So I have been through many eras of rock and roll and reinvented myself several times. And it's just a natural progression, I think. I mean, people end up saying, how did you end up? Like I said, I was into punk. I was into metal when I was Mm -hmm. young, into punk. And then, you know, when the whole rock and roll sunset strip thing was happening, I was in that. I was there, you know. And um, so people will say to me, like, how did you end up in this singer songwriter world? And, and I think it's just a natural progression as you grow and you come to understand life a bit more and uh, realize how simple and difficult it really is. Mm -hmm. And you have more to write about. Um, I think it's a natural progression to write real songs as opposed to songs about, you know, whiskey. And yeah, not I don't like writing songs about whiskey yeah. because I, <laughs> I got you. Um, because I like whiskey. But <laughs> you know, I think that, uh, I don't know. I mean, to answer your question, um, touring with Lemmy and, and Lemmy had become a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, I toured, toured with Suicidal. And when you were talking about oh, everyone, wow. everyone bums out on the opener my mind went back to being on tour with suicidal and having to win over that crowd. Wow. That was gnarly. And I was in this cow punk band called custom made scare. And uh, it's, it was like a mix between, they used to say it was a mix of Buck Owens and motorhead. Really? Yeah. It's, it it was really fast and it, it it was fun. It was a killer band. And, uh, so having to win over those kind of crowds is way easier than it or way harder than it yeah, is. To, I got you. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, yeah. I mean, I did a lot of touring with a lot of different people and, and my progression and story is long and uh, I'm right. Well, that's why. Yeah. And that's why I love having guests that there's more than just, I showed up, I played and this is it. I like having guests that have that complex. Like I actually, did you know this about me? And I love having that on the show and, and bringing that forth. So that's amazing. Uh, but I yeah. definitely, I had to read cause I usually, I go in blind to some of my guests cause I want to act as like the observer and don't want to like, you know, know too much and, and just enjoy being the fan of learning. But sometimes I'm like, there's such a, it strikes me that there's a little bit more to someone. So I, I looked at your about page and I was like, I'm glad I did. Cause I got so many more questions than just the basic, Hey, this, this, and this, you know? So it's right. amazing. But, uh, I see kind of reminds me when you mentioned the cow punk, I'm thinking like early meat puppets. I'm thinking like the, when, how they drastically changed. And like from that before Nirvana said, Hey, this is the band that inspired us. And now they were known and we're friends with, uh, Derek Bostrom. Our show is friends with him. And, uh, it's just so much fun to be able to talk to these guys. And they're this like the nicest guys, but you look at them on stage. You're like, I don't know if I would want to know who these people are, but it's, yeah. that's why you gotta, you gotta take away the, the face and just get to know people. You know, people are not, not everybody, Everybody's out to get you. And that's what I love yeah. about music is that you could fall in love with songs from a person that you've never known because your story could hit so aligned with like a song and be like, yeah, he wrote that about me and he doesn't even know me, you know, something like that as right. much as a, a story. That's but it's the just the connection of music. You know, oh, yeah. Is that we're all we're all kind of the same person just running on different paths. You know, I mean, yeah. we're, all, we're all in the same I guess we're all in the same boat, I would say. And uh, so if you write something that's real and generally from the heart and honest, most people are going to get it unless they think they're too punk rock to dig the Eagles. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of like a thing, which which I had a conversation this morning about with somebody and uh, they were bagging on the Eagles. And I was like, you really? know, all right. I get it, you know, but you can't say 
that those guys didn't write great songs and weren't talented. And, no. You know, if you say the Eagles suck, you just don't know what you're talking about. You might not like the Eagles. Yeah, you're just knee-jerk responsing to, I don't like them, so here's my opinion. You know, instead of, there, there's yeah. got to, I mean, I love Jackson Brown, and I'm not, I wasn't Jackson big into Safra. Conversation too. Yeah, I was like, I love Jackson Brown. I don't think, and a lot of people are like, oh, he's soft. I don't care. And I'm like, his music, I, I Late for the Sky, when I was, uh, was my first record ever, my first vinyl was Late for the Sky. Um, And my dad got it for me. He goes, you need to hear this album. And Forever to Be, that is like the album that helped me through my teens. Like, I don't, it's just something that it made, it kept me going. I mean, life is depressing if you don't have things that make you happy. It, it's just the way that the kind of the default normal thing is just, it's sadness. A lot of us are so bummed with the news we're are bummed that our opinions aren't being heard we're all this i can turn on a record and i can listen to jackson brown and go i can build this world in my head and i wish more people had that ability because i think we would all kind of turn the switch and just say time to just relax a little bit put us you know an album on but the world is so fast-paced and we saw with i think with uh the whole covid thing how quickly we went right back to the fast pace instead of just yeah. like we could have came back slower we could have came back in a way that would have, I think, allowed more music to come in. And note, we went right back to our old habits, but I'm glad to see the venues are filling up again. I'm glad to see new venues being made. Connecticut just had their uh, Bridgeport just open, the Bridgeport Amp. Sticks and REO Speedwagon were opening night. Finally got my chance to see REO Speedwagon. I was blown away. And I was more excited for the opener. There was a guy, uh, Jay Saros, who came out to be the opener of a new venue on opening night, no one can say that. Like, not a, it's very rare that an artist could say, I opened for the opening night of this show, and it was Stick Scenario Speedwagon that I was opening for. It's like, crazy. how can you? <laughs> I was so excited for him. And I got to talk with him and meet him, which was great. And I always feel that I'm lucky. I've met the Wild Feathers. They're a really nice band. They've uh, they've actually played with uh, the Almond Betts band. Uh, they've opened for them. Yeah. And I talked with them. And the drummer was a big jellyfish fan. And I'm just like, not a lot of people know jellyfish from the nineties. And they're like a very power pop jellyfish. Yeah. Jelly. I love jellyfish. <laughs> yeah. That was a great band. Yeah. Great they, band. Uh, I, Roger's actually a friend of the show as well. We interviewed him on my first show uh, with an old co-host of mine on the Jeb and green podcast before I went solo and started my own radio show. We actually had the licorice quartet. That's Eric Dover from Slash's band, uh, also from Slash's Snake Pit. He's a good friend of mine. We talk all the time, which is awesome. And it's just, and then there's that. Then it was Roger and Tim from, and uh, Roger, Tim, and uh, Eric from from Jellyfish. And it was just an awesome interview. And I didn't realize how approachable Roger Joseph Manning here, who you think would be like the most hard to get. And he's like the nicest guy. And he's like willing to tell you anything. And it's just that, you know, if you're willing to put forth that, you know, I've, always uh, my brain's all over the place just getting excited but i always uh, look at the facts that of like things where artists go out and they complain well this artist didn't sign something for me how about you get to have a conversation with them i feel so more rewarded when talking to an artist like Dwayne betts that i didn't want to ask for signatures but i was like i'm there i'll make the thumbnail i'll do, put it on my wall as a memory but i'd rather have a conversation and just just talk and you know, if yeah. I got to meet Paul McCartney, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be tempted as a human being to want to ask for a signature, but I totally respect that they don't want to do them anymore. I'd rather have a nice conversation with Paul McCartney and be like, how did you get here? <laughs> like, how did the all this happen? You know, I mean, I think that artists, um, if you don't come at them mm. with the immediately, at least with the, hey, yes. can I get a photo? Or, hey, can I get your autograph? If you just talk to them like normal people, um, then they, I don't know how to say this, but they, they kind of, cause most artists are just normal dudes and, yeah. and gals, you know? And, uh, and if you talk to them on that normal level, they relate to you more than they don't put you in a fan category right away. Yeah. And it becomes much more comfortable for people. Um, if you come up immediately and say, can I get an autograph? Can I take a photo? Immediately. It's like, oh yeah, you're in that fan category. And it's like, okay, yeah, this, this might be crazy. So I got to get away. But if yeah, you, and you never know, you never know, because I remember hearing stories about Peter Torque from the monkeys. He lived in Connecticut for a little bit where I am. And there was times where like, he just wanted to go out and play with his blues band. And there was like crazy people that would, you know, cause these, the monkeys and everything, they come at him and like, he'd have to have the cops involved and, and protection. Now that doesn't make you 
spend the rest of your days going, oh, I love doing what I do. It makes you go, we're going to play tonight and I need high security. And I'm literally Peter Tork of the monkeys. Like it's like, ah, it's just tough. I get that. And sometimes I, I have to like remind myself they're just like us. They put their pants on the same way we do. They're humans. And I've had so many good relationships because of that and able to have like, you know, these musicians that I know that are, I'm able to text and call because I'm not just a fan. I'm a friend, which is such an amazing feeling. So definitely I'll be, that might be the highlight. I'm going to put that as a highlight for the podcast. Be like, right. As soon as the podcast starts, you know, don't just ask for signatures, you know, become more than just that. (laughs) But we'll move in. Okay. It's, Mm -hmm. it happens. And, and I think a lot of the reason that, you know, people will say like, Oh, that guy's a jerk off or, mm. you know, she was, she was not cool is generally because people get tired of being bombarded, especially if you're like trying to eat dinner or something yeah. like that. And, you know, it's, you know, people become artists for a couple of reasons. Some people are writing songs and, doing the thing because it's in them and that's what they love to do. Some people became artists to chase that fame mm. and love that whole thing, you know, of like, Hey, this person's coming at me. They know me. And it's all like, yeah, this and, big- and it, they get happy. And you know what? That's two types of people. And, and I always look at it. There's, if that's what they wanted, then they actually achieved their goal. They got what they wanted, but not every artist is the same. Cause I'm the same way. I don't, I'm not looking for fame. Fame scared me. When I saw the Beatles running on Hard Day's Night, I didn't go, hey, I want to do that. I was like, I want to stay as far away from that as possible. I just want to play my music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think well, as kids, you know, the the ones, that, those of us that started out very young like I did, the mm. whole fame thing seemed to be really intriguing. And there was a lot that came with it because rock and roll was kind of different in those days mm. anyway. We all kind of wanted to be David Lee Roth, or oh, yeah, you know, we just thought, <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, but nowadays, I, I think it's a different animal, and I think that people, you know, a lot has happened um, with people getting stalked, and and the internet is yes. you know, crazy with that, and and uh, so I think people do tend to look a little more for. Um, their solitude and their privacy. I mean, I don't really understand that that level of fame because I never had that. I've been mm-hmm. lucky enough to stay like an underground kind of cult guy, you know, as far as music. Yeah. I never had, you know, massive, massive success. I've been very, very lucky. I've been able to make records and tour and keep doing it, you know, from 15 to almost 55 that's a long run that's, and that's awesome to keep going and not and and i'm sure you had burnout i'm sure that's just that's just a natural thing and i'm never. sure that that came about really I never had burnout. oh that's amazing never. any My advice only- on those that suffer from that or how did you get through just keep going to the next step type thing um well again i think that comes down to you just do it because it's what you have to do mm-hmm. or you know the people that think or thought that they wanted it and then it got to be too much, which I know those people too. And now they're just kind of recluse hiding out, mm-hmm. and, you know, which I think only builds the mystique and the fame more. So it's kind of a catch 20. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I only know my experience and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have friends that, that have different experiences. Some of them I would trade with for a day, but not for a week, you know? Yeah, I get that. It's like, Hey, I would give up everything for a day, but I want to go back because it's our lives. We we're comfortable after a while. Cause I know a lot of, you hear that a lot. It's like, Oh, I would trade anything to do that. And I, I used to be that way when I was growing up. Cause it just, you want an escape, you want a, the next level. But I've always noticed that I actually really enjoy the struggles too, because there's something, if they don't harm you and they're just teaching you something, life teaches you a ton of things. And if you're not open to see that, you're always going to be in the dump saying, well, it's only me, poor me. These are happening to me constantly because, well, that's my life. 
but it's you're you're not opening your eye to see that okay the reason why this is happening is my body needs a break and it's telling me hey i'm sick because you've done too much take a break it's the you know natural responses it's not trying to take away from you greater things are to come i always look at that way to try to stay positive and and keep going because i'm a musician as well as a radio i do a lot and i'm always i i do have burnout here and there but i think it's burnout not from what i'm doing it's never what i'm doing it's never the music never the radio it's never that it's like my burnout was I did burn out during COVID. I burned mm. out on not being able to tour and not exactly my record. And, you know, but there is the burnout too of when you're on the road and you're on the road too long and you're in the, the you know, the van or the bus or whatever with a bunch of people. It doesn't matter how much you love them. They're going to get on your nerves. Because no, it's like it's family. Like, <laughs> it's like being married to yeah. like, five, six different people. And it's, it, true. it's a hard marriage, you know? Yeah. So there is that burnout when you're like, man, I can't wait to get back home. But then you get back home and you're like, after can't two wait or three go. days, you're like, wow, I can't wait to get back on the road. <laughs> yep. So it's a, it's a catch 22. But I think that's just what makes, I think, and that's where great songs come from. Cause now you're writing about those experiences. You're writing about, you know, if you choose to write about those. And like, as you mentioned earlier, there's nothing wrong with that whiskey song, that song about a girl, the song all that it works. But if you want to be a deeper songwriter, go ahead and do it. There's nothing against that either, which is amazing. And I wanted yeah. that moves into our next question. I wanted to tell, talk about your new album. I have been fascinated by it. I should have, I remember when we met you, you texted me and you're like, vinyl man, Jeb, I had vinyl for sale. And I, I was already gone. I was like, oh, I missed it because I was, you know, just so wrapped up in everything. And I forgot. I was like, uh. so I have it on the website. When I get some funds, I'm definitely going to purchase a, a vinyl if they're still, you know, in stock. Uh, but let's let's talk about your new album, Broken Arrow. Who's involved? How did this come about? And tell us as many stories as you'd like about it. Well, that album is actually in this day and age old now. Oh, OK. Uh, because that that record uh, was produced by Ted Hutt. Um, incredible producer and very good friend of mine. And he was a founding member of Foggy Molly. And um, he does all the dropkick stuff. He won a Grammy for Old Crow Medicine Show. Oh, wow. He did the Gaslight Anthem early records. I mean, he's, he does. Oh, wow. Lucero. That's incredible stuff. Wow. Yeah, Lucero. He's, he's done incredible, incredible records. But So it was a real honor and a pleasure working with him, A, because he's my friend and B, because he's just a beast and an incredible producer. And, um, you know, I went in to make that record and we had just come off tour with Blackberry Smoke. Like we were literally two or three days home. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And I, well, I, I remember getting home from the tour and that night that we came in, I had a show with William Elliott Whitmore. And, um, and then the next day we were in the studio. So, and he wow. had been making the Dropkick Murphys record. So he flew home to start this record. And we had gone in and uh, got drum tones and did all that stuff with the engineer before he even came in. And then he came in and we sat and we listened to the, you know, drum tones. And, and we had, I think we had laid down two or three rough, like just live tracks and um, and he took me outside. And he said, "Charlie, because he's in Charlie. Um, I don't think this is the record that you should make." Hmm. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he <laughs> says, "Well, you know, because we were we were really about to make a big Southern rock record, and." Big guitars, you know, I had two incredible oh, wow. players. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he was like, I think you should record a record of those songs that you played for me when we were just sitting around at your place with the acoustic. And I was like, mm. the, the singer-songwriter songs? Like the slow, you know, songs? And he goes... Yes, the beautiful ones. <laughs> I 
this old house just got so cold Felt your hand unleash your soul In this room of all those years Just like that life disappeared Sad when mother shakes, shakes, shakes. Part of me died tonight. Part of me died tonight. Part of me died tonight when you did. Now I. I'll call It just rings Forever and on Time ticks slowly On this watch It's hard to walk In this old ground So sad when mother shakes, shakes, shakes. Part of me died tonight. Part of me died tonight. Part of me died tonight. Still so hard, but living's good. Still so hard, but living's good. Living's good. Yeah, living's good. Mm. And that cat, he now stays clear. Of your room we'd slept for years And this old house can turn so cold In the warmth of home sweet home So we ended up making that record, which I wasn't 100% expecting to happen. But I think it's a pretty good record. I mean, there's some some deep songs on it. And uh, it came out in 2018. And I was my trajectory was to make a record every two years. So the EP was 2016 because I hadn't done any solo stuff. I had always been you know, in, in these rock bands and cowpunk bands and different bands. And uh, so I did this EP, The California Kid, in 2016, and then Broken Arrow was 2018. And then my new record, which is uh, going to be called Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings, Ooh. Um, we started tracking in 2020. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> 2020 kind of did a not a great year in the history no. of rock. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we decided we were going to wait to make the record because a, uh, you know, studios were like, yeah, no, we're not going to be open. Um, and even you know, a lot of musicians, all of us were kind of like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. Uh, we'll just stay home for a while. And um, so 
that record kind of just got bounced and it's taken a long time. I mean, 2018, it's going to come out at the beginning of 23. Wow. That's, that's five years. That's, that's you know? a long time just to get something yeah. out that, a long yeah. Time. But, you know, during the whole pandemic thing, there were some good silver linings mm-hmm. to that. You know, we did a, well, that's a whole nother animal. Um, Lone Hawk hats. You know, I was going to go into that next anyway. So if you wanted to continue yeah. on that, I would love yeah. to hear more about that. Yeah. So, you know, I'd been making hats for a long time and, and uh, I make hats for a lot of people. And I, you know, I did that 1883 show and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I mean, Blackberry Smoke, Marcus King, The Black Crows, Cheryl Crow, you know, all all these, you know, Dwayne. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, people and my cats for a lot of people. So when the pandemic was happening, um, this story could be really long, but I'll, I'll make it really short. Sure. Whatever. We, either way. Yeah. We decided to Navajo Nation um, got hit really hard really hard and they've got no hospitals there they barely have water, you know um so in some parts so we decided okay let's do a fundraiser for navajo nation and we could probably raise like 10 or 20 grand or something which would be huge for them and uh because to me that is a massive amount of money i mean but anyway so we got charlie star Chris Robinson, Dwayne Betts, um, Cheryl Crow, wow. all these people that wear Lone Hawks. Um, my buddy from Guns N' Roses, like tons of tons of people. Awesome. And, and they all signed hats that they had and sent them to us. And we had an online auction on all on Instagram Live. Ooh. And we, we raised over a hundred grand. Wow. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's that, that's a story. That's awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. It was it was real. I've got you know chicken skin. Yeah, because being able to be involved in something humanitarian like that at a time of such stress and panic and loss, when so many people were dying, and, and you know, I mean, it was just I lost several friends in that, and. Uh, just yesterday was a year anniversary of one of my buddies that died just even just a year ago. And uh, so, you know, it was, that was a huge silver lining for me was to be able to be involved in something like that. But we also did a, a thing where we did a record for save our stages called, uh, me and my guitar. And there's, Charlie Starr and Marcus King and all these people, like I think it's 15 artists all did a song with just an acoustic guitar. And we released this thing called me and my guitar. And it was for, it was for save our stages. So you can still go on to like uh, band. I think it came out through band camp. I'm the dark Sometimes you're the fire And I'm the spark Tell myself we'll just get through today And we are all that matters anyway So I hold my head up high And I'll do it all for you Fight on through the darkest times and march toward the truth. I will do it all for you. And if the morning came and you were gone, climbed into a rocket to the sun Time would simply stop dead in its tracks And all the stars in me would turn to black And we can't have that 
No, we can't have that mm -hmm. So I hold my head up high And I'll do it all for you Fight on through the darkest times And march toward the truth I will do it all for you I'm the owl Maybe you're the wolf And I'm your owl Falling, we keep falling I can't swim and you can't fly And I will be your wings tonight Your moon and your sky And I will do it all For you We also, it was the time when, you know, right after John Prine died. Oh, jeez. Um, and that was just so heavy. That was such a massive moment um, in music history. He's a and, big part of music, without a doubt. There's no, no, even, there's yeah, no questions asked. It's huge. like a huge writer. Yeah. And when he passed away, it was, you know, it was such a, a real moment of like, okay, wow, this is real. This is really real. And I don't care what anybody says because we just lost John Prime. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was, I was not quiet about my opinions and I, I'm still not quiet about my opinions. I will probably never, ever be quiet about my opinions because don't. I'm just, <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, I wrote that night, I wrote this song called Ode to John Prime. And mm -hmm. I, sat on it for a little while and went in and recorded this version of it. And, uh, and then I remember the save our stages thing. This is before we did the me and my guitar and uh, save our stages was happening. And I sent the song over to my buddy, Jimmy Vivino, who's just the most incredible guy and such a just sweet human and an amazing, unbelievable guitar player. Um, I sent it over to him and I said, Jimmy, you should check out this song. I think we should record it maybe for Save Our Stages and get some cats to play on it. We can, mm. you know, we can record. Uh, everyone can record it from wherever they are. And uh, so he wrote me back. He said, man, this is good. I'm going to put together a rhythm section. I'll call you back. I was awesome. Like, okay. He calls me back. I'm thinking he's going to call me, you know, and couple of days three days whatever he calls me back pretty fast and he goes okay i got steve ferroni from tom petty to play drums <laughs> ah. and, and daryl jones from the rolling stones to play bass and he says uh ben montench might do it but he's got to have a knee surgery so you might want to be looking around for another b3 guy mm. so I got in touch with, with Rami from the Foo Fighters and uh, Rami was like, oh yeah, I'm all over. Send it <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Wow. And then LP, I don't know if you know who LP is, but she is just one of the most incredible singer songwriters of our time. I'll and, check her out. I'm not sure oh, too man, much. I'll, I'll check her out because I might play she, some of her songs on the show. We're always looking for, you know, oh, songs to play. She, she, is incredible and okay she, knew she was a songwriter and then you know had been sort of messing with her career but was was a big songwriter kind of like a diane warren she wrote songs for a lot of people oh wow and then she exploded exploded like in europe she's doing you know 
arenas. She's huge. Wow. In and here she's, you know, she does like the Greek theater and, you know, she's, oh, cool. she's yeah, she is. And just an unbelievable, awesome human. And one of my very best, dearest friends. And I love her so much. And, uh, and I called her and I said, LP, I'm doing this song. I would love to have you sing on it with me. And, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, sure. So yeah, I mean, you know, getting back to it, I mean, I think there's a, there's silver linings to everything in life, and uh, you know, that whole era, that the lost years was, you know, crazy times. And like mm -hmm. I said, I lost I lost some some of my best friends in that time. But uh, it's nuts. You know, it's, they, it's real. It's I, a shame too. It's like ticket. it's tough. They got the ticket to move on. You know. Yeah. And <laughs> The ones that are the most bummed are the ones that are stuck here. I agree. <laughs> I do home. actually. I think yeah. I think about it a lot. But you yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's you know, it's a beautiful thing. Um, I I think to get to go on and 
yes, we have to leave people that we love and, and that's, that's tough. And it's tough for the people that we love to be left behind. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, if you go to new Orleans for a funeral, that's what it's all about. It's celebrate, a celebration of life instead of, celebrating that life. Yeah. Um, you know, the Irish are like that too. You know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of it's like, a good thing. What's your plans for the future? What do you, what do you got coming? I know you mentioned you're working on a, an album that's been sitting, but anything else? Um, well, yeah. Um, awesome. <laughs> I've got a new radio show. Ooh. All <laughs> right. Um, I mean, yes, the record is, we're working on the record. The record's going to awesome. come out in January of 2023, I believe. Um, Sweet. we were going to shoot, we were going to release like in November or December, but I think it's going to be January, maybe even February. Um, because this record has got to be awesome. You know? yeah. so, well, we're excited as, as listeners. I'm very excited. I'm personally very excited. So keep, keep me posted. We could uh, you yeah. know run some promo for you and just say, hey, he was on our show. He has a new album. Check it out. Stuff like yeah. that. And then we, we, you know, we recently, well, a year ago on Saturday, we moved. We left Los Angeles and moved mm-hmm. to New Mexico. Oh, wow. And, and we're, in a, we're in a small town. Uh, but very, very cool town. It's we're half an hour south of Santa Fe, 50 minutes north of Albuquerque. And there is a town called Madrid. They call it Madrid, but it's <laughs> Madrid. And uh, there's a little radio station there that's free form. Um, 96.9 FM. Ooh. And I have a radio show starting Saturday nights. At seven oh, o'clock, awesome. which is pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, it's KMRD 96.9 and it streams all over the world. I was going to say, is it streaming too? Cause what I'll do is, uh, I'd love to listen and just remind, tell, let me know your first date. I'll put it on my calendar. I love to listen in as well. Cause I enjoy radio yeah. shows too. This Saturday, this Saturday, it's this tomorrow. Saturday. Perfect. Tomorrow, oh, tomorrow. Okay. Perfect. Mountain time. Awesome. Yeah. So perfect. I guess it's, it's maybe nine o'clock your time. All right. And that's nine at night, 9 PM. Or yep. is that perfect? I'll, I will tune in. I'll put it on my calendar. Um, if all goes well, I mean, I got my phone, we have our phone wherever I just put my headphones in and I'll have it. So I'll tune in. Yeah. Yeah. The perfect. app's on the phone. It's KMRD awesome. 96.9. I think it's, you just put in KMRD Madrid. Or okay. Madrid. We'll do. All right. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Cool, man. Awesome. Thank you Thanks so much. And you. keep in touch. Uh, if you ever want to do a song together or something, you got some time and you need an extra guitarist uh, guy or some voiceovers, let me know anytime. Love to love to do something. <laughs> cool. Enjoy your day. All right. Thank Jeff, you. Thanks, Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the video on Unlikely Places, Pop and Rock Radio. I'm your host, Vinyl Man Jeb. Just remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you guys next time in the next podcast. Great to see you guys every time. Check us out weekly on the radio show. It's Fridays, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT, every Friday, whether it be a rerun or a brand new episode. See you soon.